to be moving on through a series that I've been doing that is focusing on these seven scenes of Psalm 23. And we've been tracking at that for some time now, and this week we are up to scene number six. So Psalm 23, that familiar psalm to so many people, the psalm that begins, The Lord is my shepherd. And we've been looking over the past several weeks at all of the ways that Psalm 23 reveals the Lord as our shepherd through the activity that the Lord does. And we've been going scene by scene, phrase by phrase through that. And scene number six today, he prepares a table before me. As we consider what that means for us in this place, for the world that we live in today, For those of us who live in a world where, you know what, let's be honest, shepherds are not a commonplace thing in our world, in our society, the way it would have been in the times of the Bible. So, how do we understand the Lord's presence with us in these words and in this image of a table that's prepared for us? Today I'm going to jump forward with that as we've been using this as a springboard for other places of scripture as we consider what this table that is prepared means for us. I'm jumping forward into the New Testament. This is the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 14, where Jesus tells a story about a table, a banquet. This comes, let me give a little bit of background into this, that that, uh, the way Luke frames this story, this parable, it's towards the conclusion of a larger section of Luke. So here's the setting that's taking place there, that there is Um, a dinner party that Jesus is invited to attend at the house of a prominent Pharisee. So this is someone who's wealthy, who's well-respected, who's important in, in the town in which they live. And Jesus comes to this banquet, this feast, this meal, and he notices that as the guests arrive, that they're all choosing important seats. The way that they would have had a dinner party back then, the tables were shaped like a a giant U or, or maybe a V shape. And the host would sit right at the point of that table. And then all the people would sit down the table from there, and and customarily the seats that were right next to the host would be the important seats, and it would go down from there. So there's kind of this, this hierarchy, this order of importance by where you sit at the table. Jesus sees this taking place, that all these people are, trying to grab the important seats at this banquet. And then he goes on to tell this story. Luke chapter 14, I'm going to pick it up at verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, Now, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus tells that story as kind of a slam against what he sees taking place there. Then one of the other Pharisees, just trying to smooth out the tension in the room, goes on in verse 15. When one of those at the table heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Just trying to ease the tension. Jesus will have none of that. He pushes it even further. 
Continuing in verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please, excuse me. Another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please, excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I cannot come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, and still there is room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads, the country lanes, and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, story of a banquet. Let's let's unwrap this one a little bit to see what's really going on in this story. That Jesus tells this story about this great banquet that is coming here. And uh, it would have customarily gone like this because it it follows something that maybe in our time, in our culture, would be um, most closely associated with a wedding reception. If you've ever been invited to a wedding reception, you, you know how that custom goes. You get an invitation that usually comes in the mail and there's some kind of little envelope or way for you to confirm or RSVP that reception invitation. And you send that back to the host so that the host who's planning the wedding reception can know how many people are coming and where are we going to sit them all at what tables and how that's all going to go. And usually that takes place months in advance before that. That same kind of thing happened with these banquets that we read about in, in the scripture, in the time of Jesus. That when someone would host a party like that, invitation would go out. I, I mean, it wasn't mail on paper, that kind of thing. It would, it would go up by word of mouth. The servants would send it out. But they would have to accept and sort of RSVP that invitation so the host knew who was coming. That would take place. Then it was expected that you would be there. So in this story that Jesus tells, there's all these people who then back out after RSVPing, after reserving their spot. They back out, and they back out at the last minute. That would have been, in that time, in that culture, extremely rude and disrespectful. I mean, it it would be rude and disrespectful now in our time, too, but even more so then, that once you told the host, yep, I'm showing up, I'll be there, then you better be there, and to back out, especially at the last minute, was something you simply would not do. It's, it's sort of the shock in the story, right? That as Jesus tells us, people would have heard that and said, wait, they did what? They, they made excuses and didn't show up? Now, now the excuses themselves are, are not the main point here. In fact, I think for those people who knew, those Jewish people hearing the story, if they knew their Old Testament scripture, they would have recognized this because it comes from Deuteronomy 20. In Deuteronomy 20, 
there are listed all the reasons where an Israelite man could be excused from the army when it was time for war, when a battle came. And included in that list in Deuteronomy 20 were things like just bought a field, need to go inspect it, or just got married. So it's not that the excuses are shocking. Those were ordinary. They would have known that. What is shocking is that these are excuses that are now being used to pull out of a dinner invitation at the last minute. Something that they never would have expected to see happen. So, as the story goes on then, the host says, well, I, I mean, you imagine, do I cancel? Do I postpone? Do I reschedule? Nope, it's here. Let's go on. So go invite others. He sends his servants out. They bring in then, and Jesus names these by categories, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. It's mentioned twice in the passage that I read today, these categories of people, people who would have been marginalized outcasts. I think we need to remember that they were living in a time when they didn't have, like we would know today, buildings with barrier-free access. They didn't live in a time where they have, like we have today, a, a government that has a focus on things like the Americans with Disabilities Act. There was no place in society for people like that. They were pushed aside. They were not made to be included in any way. So Jesus is targeting these people who've been pushed aside and says, bring them in. Make them the guests. Give them the places at the table. Still there's room. So he sends out the servant again and says, go, out, go outside of town now. Go into the alleys and go out into the highways that lead away from town. Bring in the people there. Now, Jewish towns were not all that big. And they were pretty close-knit with family clans. There was a pretty good bet that for people living in Jewish towns at that time that you knew just about everybody else who lived in town. By some way or another, you knew what family they were from, something about who they belonged to, what they did. You knew everybody in town in some sort of way. But for the people who lived in these countryside settlements away from the towns, now there's a good chance here that those people wouldn't even know who this host was. Oh, maybe heard of them, but, but didn't know them. So now, the, now this host is saying, go invite people who don't even know me. Who, don't, who aren't even a part of this town. And don't just invite them, but the way Jesus tells the story here in Luke, compel them to come in. Drag them in if you have to, so that they will be at the banquet. So that's what they do. And they fill that banquet hall with the marginalized, the outcasts, the people that were never given a place in their society much less ever invited to a banquet. And then people outside who didn't even know who the host of the banquet was, but still the invitation comes to them. Come on in. Be a part of this. You see, the way that Jesus tells this story, there's a focus here, isn't there? A focus on the response. Do you see that? The response that's given. We, we begin... We begin with that phrase that came from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and we've noted before how Psalm 23 is, is such a personal psalm, isn't it? 
All of the pronouns there are first person singular. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He prepares a table before me. Psalm 23 is so personal in that way that you read Psalm 23 and and you get that picture of a personal relationship with God. Jesus takes that banquet image and, and he makes it something that goes beyond just personal, beyond something that's just about me and God. But now Jesus is focusing attention past that. Not just the banquet that's been prepared, but the response that we give. You see, Jesus tells this story in a way that focuses our attention on that response, the response of those who've been invited. To be fair, uh, the original meaning of this, if you consider the audience to whom Jesus wrote this. The original audience would have been the people of Israel, the Jewish nation. And particularly, given the the context, the people in the room when Jesus tells the story, it's, it's the religious elite who are there. It's the people who have followed all the right rules and all the right traditions since they were young. They've been taught how to do that, and they've lived that kind of a life. And Jesus is giving a jab here to say, but you know, you've got all this focus on just the right banquet table and all the right rules and procedures for coming to this banquet, but you've forgotten about the response that's needed, the response that is required in coming to that. A response there where Jesus is driving the point a little bit further. So, Let's take it back to the shepherd story for a bit, okay? The shepherd. Considering then the good shepherd as we see that. Now, it's what we see in Psalm 23 is that imagery of the shepherd, but Jesus as well uses some of that imagery, doesn't he, in talking about the shepherd. But again, again, the way that Jesus talks about the shepherd image doesn't so much focus on just the personal me and God, but Jesus continues that expansive view of what it means to be a part of the flock. What it means to be one of the guests at the banquet table. That Jesus expands the view of that. Consider how he says that in different ways that there is sort of this focus on reaching those who are expanding outside of the flock, that there is this radical reimagining of exactly who is included in the flock. And I do mean radical reimagining, that they would have never in a million years included people who were marginalized or outcast or certainly people who are Gentiles outside of the Jewish nation. But Jesus pushes that. Consider how he says that. Consider these verses that come from John chapter 10. John 10, where Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. 
And then he says this. I have other sheep that are not sheep from this pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see what Jesus is doing there? Pushing that image of just how it is we think about the flock that our shepherd cares for. Just how we think about all the different ways that that we, as God's people, are part of that flock and a radical reimagining of who else is in this flock that we would have never expected for God to reach and pull in with his grace and with his forgiveness. All right, two takeaways from this for today. All right, two lessons that I think we can see that comes out of this. First of all, first of all, we notice this, that God does not base the guest list or the flock on the appearance of religion, but on the response of faith. Okay? It's not about having the appearance of religion, but it is about the response of faith that we give. We see that in the stories that Jesus tells here, how those are the priorities that come before us, that this parable is directed towards those who, well, let's face it, they automatically assume that they are on the guest list. They think just because of who they are, the family they were born into, the habits and the customs that they keep, the rules that they follow, I'm in. I'm on the list. They think that's the response, that the religion itself is the response. But Jesus is pressing for something different. It's not about the the appearance of your religious habits. It's about the faith in your response. It's an invitation then that's, that's not for this select few people who happen to come from the right upbringing, but rather it's an invitation that goes to anyone who will respond in faith. So in this response then, it, it's hearing the call of the gospel is not the same as responding to the call of the gospel. Or to think of it another way, having all the right Bible answers in your head is not the same thing as having Jesus in your heart. That's where Jesus is driving with this story. That's where he's pointing our attention, isn't he? And let's, let's be honest because we're, we're reading a story in which Jesus is telling it to people who have been born and raised in a system of religion. That to live a religious life, you do these things in this order, in this way. This is the kind of person you are. These are the kind of things you value. He's talking about those Jewish leaders of that time. But let's be honest. I know not all of us fit that category, but a good share of us fit the category of people who have been born and raised into a Christian home with a Christian family. We've known the upbringing of what it means to be a Christian our entire lives. I, not all of us, but a good portion of us here know that. We know what it's like to be born and raised into a life of certain religious observance, that we do certain things, we have certain habits because we are Christian. So we have 
our religious identity around that. But Jesus is saying, not that that's a bad thing, but the response that he's looking for is a response of faith. It's not your religious habits that get you the invitation to be at the banquet table, but it's the response of faith that comes from that life of habits, that life of religion that we embrace. It's the response of faith that comes from that that Jesus is looking for. So if you're here today or if you're watching online today or listening today and you hear that, you hear that, yep, I've been in this Christian life as long as I can remember, but what about that response of faith? That response that comes before God that says, yes, I accept your grace, your love, your forgiveness, to be identified as one of your own. That's the response that God is looking for. Don't wait for that. There is no time that you have to wait for where it will be the perfect time, but God is waiting for that response to come from you now, today. Because it's not about your religious observance. It doesn't mean that, well, you have to learn more of the Bible first, or you need to understand more theology first, or you need to be so old to be able to understand a maturity first. There's none of that that's placed upon us within the way God reveals his gospel in the Bible. He's looking for that response of faith now, today. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter where your life is at, respond in faith. That's what God is looking for. And we see that as a lesson in this parable, that that's what God is yearning for. That response that simply says, yep, I will come. I will be a part of your flock. I will be a guest at your banquet. The second thing that we see out of this is a lesson about, well, it's a lesson about who else is sitting at the table with us. Who else is in the flock? That God opens his guest list or his flock to people that we would not expect to be included. That's something good for us to be reminded of today. Because we live, in worlds, we live in a world where it becomes pretty easy for us to become isolated in our own little cultural bubbles, don't we? We live in a world where it's pretty easy for us to gather and just huddle together with people who are just like us and sort of live in this echo chamber where I'm only with people who think like I do, act like I do, value the things that I value. But it's a reminder in this story today that God's kingdom, his flock, his banquet is so much larger than my little cultural bubble. There's so many more people that God is calling to respond in faith who are nothing at all like me or like us. It's a reminder for us of that because often... Let's be honest, we look past that, don't we? Often maybe we see people who in our, in our world, beyond the walls of this place, in our communities around us, and we don't immediately think of them as, hey, that's a person who's part of the family of God. 
That's a person who's invited to the banquet table. That's a person who's going to sit next to me at the banquet in the kingdom of God. That's a person who's a part of the flock that I'm a part of. It's a good reminder that when we see other people, particularly other people who are not like us, very different from us, that God extends the same invitation to them that has been extended to us. And he's looking for the same response of faith from them that he's looking for from us. It's good for us to remember that, that even though we have our own categories of outcasts and misfits, and sometimes we base those categories on things like lifestyle choices, value systems, cultural norms, racial or ethnic backgrounds. God looks past all of those things, invites them in, no, compels them to respond in faith and come in. Our response then, our response of faith to Jesus to join his great banquet is a response that should also eagerly welcome other people as well, shouldn't it? That we should respond in faith in a way where we welcome all those who also come and respond in faith. So maybe the question to leave with today is a question of considering, are there people out there whom Jesus is calling in faith, but I push away because they're not like me, because I don't like them, whatever reason we make up. Are there people in our world, in our community around us, who God is calling in faith, but for whatever reason, I'm pushing them away? Because Jesus tells this story for us today as a reminder that his banquet table has room for all of us there who respond to him in faith. The Lord is my shepherd, and he prepares a table before me, before us. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the reminder that uh, as, as we read those personal words of Psalm 23 about the way that you are a shepherd for us, the way you prepare that table before us, Lord, may it be the reminder for us today that, uh, that there are others who join us at that table, others who are a part of that flock, So, Lord, may we see today the way that we look past all the ways that we think living right, having all the right religious answers, gives us that spot. But may we again accept and respond in faith the invitation of grace given to us. And may we welcome all those who come and respond in faith to be a part of that banquet as well. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.